Welcome to episode 27 of the Slow Spin Society podcast. As always, I'm Fabian, here with, as always, as always, as always, Paul. Hey, is pineapple pizza legal in this country? Depends which country, but no, it's not. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This episode, we'll be talking about the secondhand market. Maybe not everything about it, but perhaps what's good to look out for, where you can find cool stuff and just general information about it. But if you want to hear more about Titanium Brompton, a new one, the benefit of electric cargo bikes, or Silka's new titanium tools, then you should definitely check out the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash slowspinsocietypodcast, or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, if you like titanium, just check out the pre-show. Lots of titanium. Yeah, titanium-heavy episode. (laughs) All right, so the secondhand market... We know that a lot as fixed gear enthusiast. Yeah, so something about, I mean, I think this is like uh, correct with many hobbies in general that if you get deep into enough in deep enough into a hobby, you will always be in the scene. I'm putting my fingers, you know, like the air, <laughs> air marks, the scene. But in, and by being part of the scene, you'll know all these different places. Oh, I want that part. I want this part. All these little things that casual fans don't really know anything about or don't don't care about rather and the same goes for fixed gear community there's a big secondhand market and everyone wants certain parts big and small why do you think it is more interesting to buy parts on like on the used market rather than new so, like i think this is this also depends on the person but like for me the secondhand market it means interesting because you can find things that are no longer in stock anywhere or no longer produced. So I think that's the number one thing or actually number two thing. Number one thing is that you can get everything for much cheaper. Yeah. And I think this is important for most things like why pay 80 bucks for handlebars when you get the same handlebars with a few scratches for half that or less, you know, but I think, I think like, like the ability to save money and to, the ability to find things that you cannot find at like official stores are the two main reasons why people use, a, use the secondhand market. I think it is also a really, really good starting point for a lot of people. You know, you find a bike that is used. If you looked a little bit before on the internet and you kind of, or you ask your friends or anything and you just know what the bike you might buy is made of, uh, what wheel set is on, what crank is that, blah, blah. Uh, you can start, you can, yeah, you can start fixed gear for pretty cheap rather than buying everything new. Yeah. Like I, I think for many people getting into fixed gear is, it's kind of like, a risk as well because everyone tells you it's like different than normal cycling it's not the same blah blah blah. and most people don't want to take the risk by buying an expensive new bike if they don't even know they'll like it yet true and that's kind of what i did as well so my first bike was also from the secondhand market and yeah I was your it, first bike new or secondhand no, secondhand yeah yeah me too and yeah i don't think anyone yeah in that case it makes sense that 
it's a good way to just get a, a fix your bike for cheap and then you can just see if you like the way it feels and then from there on you can always use the second hand market to upgrade side grade downgrade whatever just, just keep yeah. going from there like you said starting base that's why i usually tell to people that want to get into fixed gear is you get something for real cheap and then you upgrade it you know parts by parts slowly months after months and then when you have replaced every part on it maybe a year later you buy a new frame maybe or maybe two years later i don't know and then you just end up with two bikes and you can just resell the old one yeah someone else can or, use it as their first bike yeah so yeah and i think the used market and the fact that it's just so cheap it is really common to find handlebars for five dollars five euros whatever it's you can test new things you want to you want to find a pair of drops because you're used to risers then yeah go ahead and you'll probably find a normal pair not a nice carbon pair whatever like a normal pair of drops <laughs> for five bucks damn i wish i wish i could have found my I'll, I'll keep talking about it but i wish i could have found my my bull moose bars for used for, for very cheap <sighs> just forget about it man. no man i'm like i'm like <laughs> losing nights sleeping about this <laughs> i'm like damn fucking i got tricked i was talked into it bullshit <laughs> freaking vietnam flashbacks <laughs> I, know, I saw pictures of it today like it looks so good on on bikes but i'm like like flashbacks when i was actually using them i was like damn this fucking sucks <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh when when does it when does it start getting good do i have to get used to it a few years nah <laughs> but yeah it's really so the secondhand market is really nice to test new things out because yeah yeah, and right cheaper. now, do do not use market is there's nothing. The new market, like new stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of the pandemic and manufacturers being slow and people having back orders. I think if you want a Chris King today, you have a year of back order. So no Chris King for you, unless no. you buy a use. Yeah, exactly, and. Yeah, I think for many people that are getting into cycling nowadays, they, they can see... I think many people getting into cycling nowadays, they really learn how to, like, not just fix bikes, but build bikes themselves, change handlebars, replace brakes and stuff, just because it's really useful in this time. Yeah. Um, also, one another thing of the second-hand market is, is there's less waste overall, because everyone's just reusing everything rather than just like throwing things away and people are willing to buy even the smallest parts of bikes like a cog True. or like a, what what you would think is an overused chain ring people will still buy it because it still works and it's very cheap so might as well so yeah really, yeah so really there is i mean what i mean of course there are downsides to the secondhand market as well and we'll go into that later but so far the, the benefits are pretty pretty clear of why to use the secondhand market true and for our listeners uh today we're gonna go a little bit into a guide on the secondhand market like what to watch out or what to look for when you buy something used i know most of you guys are already <laughs> super into buying used stuff and 
you definitely know what to look at for, but you never know, there might be something in this list that you never thought before. And I mean, you have personal experiences buying stuff used. I have to, and yeah, maybe we can share some of that later. Good ones and better ones, I guess. <laughs> I think even people who listening right now who are, who would consider consider themselves experienced in the secondhand market, <laughs> they they don't they will be surprised by the the shit you know. Like you get, like you get what's that one bike? The one the Ukrainian airplane carbon. Oh, the Ellen, the yeah. Antonov Ellen. Like you, you get shit all the way from the Ukraine by talking to like people, <laughs> Google Translate or whatever. It's like everyone else is just using like eBay or whatever, <laughs> but that's like another step ahead. So yeah, and I'm sure you can, people will learn something from this episode. I sold one bike to China last week. Which one? That's a secret. May you 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 will know that if you're part of the Discord. So yeah, you will learn this if you're part of the Discord. So join our Discord server. It is fun and there's a ton of new people there. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a lot of new people joining recently. Yeah. I don't know why. It was like in the middle between episode releases. Like normally we get a few people joining right after an episode drops. But this time it was like five days after the last episode. I don't know. Did you did you do something secretive? No. <laughs> you write the Discord on, on like a bathroom wall or something. <laughs> come, Join come this for, here for fun. good times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, so we'll talk about what to look out for and like some general tips for buying secondhand. Yeah, you know what? Well, actually, just a fun fact: when I bought that uh, Antonov Ellen thing, I was um, it was like mid December. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to give myself a few days to, to think about it. And I was in South of France uh, alone. I was working uh, for like the entire end of December. So no rest. And I was just working a lot and no holidays, nothing. And then my first day off was the 1st of January. <laughs> and I wake up and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to buy this. <laughs> so I sent him the PayPal and I was like, well, First bike of the year. We're the first of January, and that doesn't start well. <laughs> good timing. Yeah, good timing. All right. So, what to watch out uh, while you buying parts or a complete bike, maybe on the secondhand market. So, let's say you find a nice item, and then of course you're gonna look at the general condition of it, uh, and then. You're going to, I guess, fill the buyer if you contact him, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, just by talking to the seller, like, you need to see if he or she is, like, honest and if you can trust them, if, if they're telling... I mean, all of this is based on how they react, I suppose, and how they talk and whether they take forever to respond or if they, the pictures pictures they send you are shitty, et cetera, et cetera. But of course, the easiest way is if you're buying via, I don't know, like eBay or your country's equivalent, there will be like a review system where you can see if the seller has good uh, ratings from other people they've sold to in the past. And generally, this is a good enough indication of whether it's a it's like safe purchase for you in the end. But yeah, yeah of course, in the end, like, it's not always true and you shouldn't trust that. You should also like have your own intuition to follow. 
And true. But yeah, that's just like the trouble with buying online. I think secondhand is you never know if you can if you're really getting what they say you're gonna get. And that's I guess that's yeah. just a risk you cannot really get around unless you really unless you can really meet them in person. Yeah, of course. And then there's gonna be so the intended use of what you want to buy. Let's say I mean that's common sense, right? But you. You are on the hunt for a new pair of wheels that you want to use for track lacrosse. And then you found that really, really sweet deal for a pair of low spoke count tubulars carbon wheels. <laughs> even if it's a good deal, even if uh, that's probably something that you want, but not right now. It's your, I mean, it's your decision to either pass on that and find what you actually look for with your budget or buy it and then create another budget for what you actually intended to buy at the first, like the first time. That happens a lot. So I think there's like a small, I mean, I wouldn't maybe not lessen, but the, the small tip is that if you're easily influenced by seeing these great deals that, you know, you're like, buy now, buy now, buy now. Is that you really just look for what you're looking for? Yeah. Like if you just browse around, and then obviously if you browse, if you just browse everything a, a long time, you're gonna find something like a great deal or something, and yeah, you'll be really tempted to buy it. But if you just search what you're looking for, there's, there's less of a chance of just you know buying things that you don't really need in the end. Yeah. I guess that's not that's not really just with the secondhand market. I guess it's, that's just in general life. Like if you look, if you look around. To spend your money on something, you'll find something. Yeah, but on the secondhand market, it's more like you can find some stuff that are not available new, you know? Yeah. It's not like you can buy it every day. No. It's there until someone else buy it. Yeah, and that's why it's like the extra pressure that you think that you... If, oh, it's, someone else is going to buy it. So I need to get it fast, even though I didn't need it. The, I didn't need it, but I just saw it. And now I think I need it. Like it's like convincing yourself that you have to get something. Yeah, the thrill of the secondhand buyer. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a game in the end, playing the market. Of course, there are people who who kind of use the secondhand market as a job, buying, reselling, and that's what they do as well, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. True. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So of course, there's this. There's uh, compatibility. So before you buy something, use just make sure that it's going to fit on your bike because uh, descriptions of items are usually pretty vague for most of them. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you want to make sure that, oh yeah, it is the right thing. Uh, one really good example that I can give you is one time I was looking for a really special pair of cranks, bought them, super happy. They arrive at home and they were 172.5 millimeters long. For me, I am riding 165 millimeter. So that mm. was just way too long. And it was my bad because I just didn't ask before and I was just too excited. And and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, compatibility rather with your bike or just with you. And maybe what was the use of the pre the previous owner. Yeah, this is. I think this is especially important if you're buying, let's say, an aluminum frame. Yeah. 
So if you're buying an aluminum frame and the previous owner was doing 150K every single day with it going hard, jumping 10, 10 million stairs every day, then you probably don't want to buy it. Like It's just a matter of time until it just snaps underneath you. And in, in that case, it really makes a difference knowing where the frame was used in the past and how it was used, whether it has a dent, if it's just a scratch or a crack, etc. stuff like that. So yeah, and maybe you find that super, super sweet track bike and it looks it looks beat up as hell, but it has only been used in a velodrome, then it's probably a good option. So yeah. you might like it's it's a good thing to learn about the what happened before you buy it, especially if it's something that can break, for example, if you buy a handlebar and then you don't really care, but if you buy like a complete carbon frame or something else, then maybe it's a good thing that you know what people did with those things. Hi guys, Inning Paul here, and I just wanted to add a quick note on the buying out of a velodrome thing. So you just need to be a little bit more careful when you buy something out of a velodrome, and I'm going to explain it really quickly basically you have a few types of riders that rides on the velodrome you have the pros the amateurs and the cadets so pros and cadets are people that might have daily training so they change gears a lot they get the wheel in and out of the drops a lot and usually it can result in premature wear of the dropouts and stuff like that. Those are also frames that have seen a lot of stress in their life. There's also a possibility that they had a few crashes and usually those bikes, they don't, it's not one bike per rider. It's usually one bike for a bunch of riders that have training, right? So some of those bikes, even if they look um, really maintained and everything, can be really tired. Uh, so to say. The second type would be amateurs rider that just store a bike at their local velodrome. This can be, they can either be like super well maintained or not at all. I mean, you'll probably never know. Um, it's maybe someone that just store his bikes here and comes around, I don't know, once a week, once a month, spend a dozen times around the track and go home. So in that case, there is not a perfect scenario, either if you bike a pro bike or an amateur bike, just ask. Asking is probably the better thing you can do, because you don't want to buy for a good chunk of money a 20 years old, 30 years old look, spin it around the block, and the first thing it does is crack. Uh, so you might as well just ask and see what the bike was used for. Was it a pro? Was it an amateur? Was it for training? Was it for competition? Has that bike traveled a lot? Asking is the best thing you can do. And if you find like a, let's say like a, like a mash, mash frame for $150, then you, you already know it's stolen. <laughs> so True. Still watch out, True. watch out for that as well. So on the topic of stolen stuff, so what is to look out for? Like things you don't want. Like one, one thing that I think is also a personal decision is that 
I don't, you don't want to give money to people that resell shit for 10 times the price. Like whether it's an iron ring for 1,500, which exists on eBay. Don't, I mean, if you have the money and you want to buy it, I, I'm still going to say like, don't do it. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> dumb. Um, but besides that, yeah, the important thing, of course, is to watch out for scammers. So that brings us back to the previous point of integrity. So you watch out for scammers so you don't just get burnt because you find a good deal and they, they, they pressure you into paying now, now we'll ship it tomorrow, etc. Yeah. And yeah, damaged goods, of course. Like this is really difficult, difficult, I think, to avoid all the time because like I said, if people want to hide a dent, they will take a picture where you cannot really see it or if they want to hide a scratch, the same. I mean, in some regard, it is. I totally understand when the feeling when, you know, you really want to buy something and you really don't want to bother the buyer too much because there's probably other people in line. So you're like, oh, I don't know if I ask him for all the pictures. If I ask him for more infos, I should just tell him that I'm going to wire him the money right now. And so I can get the frame before those people, you know? Yeah. And that's also like a risk in the end. Yeah. But on the other end, you don't want to pay a certain amount of money, receive something that is not what you thought it was, and you send again the you send the guy a message, and he's like, "Oh yeah, but you didn't ask for that." Exactly. That's why it's kind of like I'm a bit wary always of listings that do not have much information in the in the description box. Yeah. Because. I mean, I, I personally always put as much information as I can because there are so many people with so many stupid questions. I just want to avoid that from the start. And I also think that if I just put like the minimum, it's a bike with two wheels. Yeah, everyone knows that. It's it's really shady as hell. But yeah, if you don't ask and you don't and you are surprised, it's kind of on you as well in the end. But that's yeah. like you said, it's a risk. If you do, if you annoy the person too much, they can sell it to someone else that that doesn't annoy them. And when I, I think when it comes to the fixed gear market and as, as as well as some other hobbies, it's really a seller's seller's market. Yeah. As in, they can they can really choose who they want to sell to because it's either the person asking for 120 close up pictures or the person who says I can send you the money now. So. Yeah, exactly. And as a seller, if you don't want to have like bad surprises when you sell a frame. They get the box, they open the box, and then they send you pictures, and they're like, oh man, you didn't tell me about that, this, and you, or like, it hasn't been packed properly or anything. Just make sure that you give people more information that they need, you know? Yeah. Maybe you can make like a basic listing. So like, oh, I'm selling this frame. And then when someone asks if there is like, paint chips or anything you have like every pictures of every paint chip that's on the frame you know and you send them a list and like oh yeah so there's all this but the general condition is pretty good and then when you send them and that's one thing i just do all the time because i heard so many bad stories pack it but pack it to the absolute fullest just pack it nuclear level <laughs> <laughs> pack it like it was your mom that you were sending <laughs> oh my god yeah better too much than not enough yeah exactly like just just put too much and 
if he's paying the the shipping cost, then he's also paying that extra packaging, that extra weight that it's going to protect the frame. So it is important. Just just pack it well. <laughs> and one thing I think that I mean, at least one thing I think is really, really important, really, really important is that you always use if you're using PayPal, always use goods and services. Never, if, especially if the if the seller tells you use friends and family, that option. Never do that. Because if you do friends and family and they scam you, you can do nothing. There's nothing you can do. True. They have your money. Same same with just like direct bank transfers or or like even worse, like gift cards. I mean that I don't I've never experienced that, but like that's what scammers do. They ask for gift cards. But yeah, if you do PayPal, always pay extra and do goods and services, because at least then you have some some recourse if they end up sending you a fake package or damaged goods or nothing at all. Yeah. Like I think maybe do you remember Paul? I I wanted to buy H plus sun rims from the UK like yeah. two two three years ago, and then that person never sent the rims. Like they, after ten days, they kept saying, "Oh, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it." And then they didn't do it, and then I got, I got my money back. I mean, I lost the fee from the goods and services, like twenty bucks. But they could if I didn't if I did friends and family, and the, and, I, and the person said like, "Oh, you're annoying me. I'll just keep the money now." I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to do anything. Yeah. So I think it's a very good option to have if you dealing with someone you don't have any experience with or someone that isn't like known in the community like if you're buying from paul i i mean i mean paul's not gonna scam you but i'm just saying like if it's someone that you think you know because everyone buys from them it's it's still a safe option to use it but you might also get away with not using it it depends on who you buy from but yeah there's some well-known seller out there and you have PayPal protection, maybe the eBay protection. So you have some stuff to get behind. Uh, but yeah, if you've never heard about that person before and they asking you for a shady mean of payment, then it might not be the best option. Yeah, it's like, send me 20,000 V-Bucks. <laughs> that, that's from Fortnite, by the way. I should have said Roblox. That would have been even funnier. Roblox. What's it called? Roblox? Roblox. What is the money Roblox in Roblox? Roblox. Roblox? Robux. Like bucks. Oh, Robux. Okay. But yeah, if they ask you to send to pay you in like gift cards. Or you know, <laughs> Robux. Yeah, Robux. It's an eight-year-old kid. Just scam you. Maybe you deserve it if, if you fall for that. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, just be wary of scammers and yeah, damage stuff. Uh, just make sure that you ask enough infos. Oh, yeah. And maybe don't fall for overpriced parts of or frames or... I mean, if you're that one guy that sells arm rings on eBay for 800s because they're air quotes limited then fuck you first (laughs) (laughs) and second if you're a guy who think about buying this please just don't don't give that kind of people money they don't deserve it and they are driving prices up and yeah no it's just fuck that (laughs) that triggers me (laughs) (laughs) 
Another thing to look out for, and this only applies to a handful of frame frame models, is to watch out for replicas. So nowadays, I think the most common, I mean, yeah, there's like you can get like Ginelli laser replicas or Candle track replicas, but yeah, I don't know if if there are any other ones, but I think those are expensive frames. If you're spending so much money, you might as well just like double check and be sure that they're real. Yeah, and if you're buying a replica or selling a replica. Just be informed that you're buying a replica or selling yeah. one, you know? Like, there is nothing wrong about buying a replica that is well-made or selling one. No. It's just, like, make sure to inform your buyer or seller. And, yeah, everything is fine. Of course, the price is not going to be the same because it's a replica. But chill out. Like, people can just ride whatever they want. Yeah. Except bullhorns. Except bullhorns. <laughs> <laughs> oh man oh this is gonna be like a yeah a joke that will never die i'll just Probably. keep i'll just keep beating this horse to death <laughs> okay so i'll just give you a little example a little buying guide of what i'll look for when buying a frame or will set off a conflict bike so that's my personal experience but i've went through a handful of frames and when I buy one, now I pretty much always, like, I pretty much only buy from people I know of. Yeah, if if you're buying from someone you don't know and you want to do a quick check uh, before you hand the money, uh, then you should look at the paint, of course, general condition. If there's dings, dents, any fr frame deformation or cracks, by frame deformation, you can, one that is pretty common is if you touch under the down tube or the top tube just before the head tube, so at the very front of the bike, right? If you, if there is like even this, the slightest bump under that, it means that the bike had a pretty, pretty rough nose collision, kinda. So that's frame deformation that you want to avoid, but People can live with that, you know. I had one like this and it rode really well, so not, not a big deal in some cases, but maybe if you find that you can drive the price down a little bit. Then you want to look at your bottom bracket threading. Uh, if it's good, in good condition, not fucked up, you don't want a bike that you can't even put a bottom bracket in. And then maybe any rattling noise, rust, corrosion, uh, and corrosion also happens for aluminum bikes. Don't get fooled. Uh, aluminum bikes don't rust. They corrode and like it can attempt to deframe integrity at some point. Then you want to look at drop ends and fork ends, especially on older aluminum bikes. Uh, some can be pretty rough and pretty fucked. If one of the drop end is too fucked, you'll never be able to have your wheel straight. So look for that. Then if you buy a wheel set, again, general condition, are they true? Is the braking surface in good condition if there's one and if you plan to use it? Uh, is there any dents, dings? How are the hubs? Is there any play in the axles? And is there corrosions on the nipples or the, the spokes? It's usually the thing I look at the most because corrosion on a nipple 
and then you're in the middle of the ride and you have one spoke breaking in your wheel, uh, it can be you can end up in a pretty dangerous situation. Uh, so yeah, maybe look for that. Let's say you're buying a complete bike, and I hope you're going in person then because yeah, you you probably want to check everything first. I would say is check everything that's on the bike before you go there. So you look at the listing and you're like, okay, that's the list of items that the, the list of parts that's on that bike. Then you go meet the guy, look, you look, everything looks the same. Okay. That's first step. Great. And then of course, everything I mentioned before. So paint, general condition, dings, dents, uh, deformations, cracks in every part. You look if anything could be seized in the frame, so a bottom bracket or a seat post. I know you can't see that from like at first, but look if there's not too much corrosion around those areas, no rattling noises, any missing bolts, you know, sometimes on the stem or I don't know, seat post clamp or anything. And yeah, if possible, like never take a seller words uh, about the condition of the frame. He might told you that it is brand new and it's it's only been written 10K, but maybe it's been written 10,000 Ks, but the guy is just really clean about his bike and just treated him very well, but it's not 10, it's 10,000. Yeah. So it's best to always confirm and yeah. It's it's in the seller's best interest to have you buy their frame or their whatever they're selling. So if if they're gonna like bend the truth a bit, then they will. Yeah, it's I mean as a personal advice, if you're going to buy something that is expensive, so I don't know, four hundred, three hundred, uh, and everything above, uh, bring a friend. You know, it's nice to have an, an extra pair of eyes to look at details that maybe you missed. Oh, I thought you were going to say like, in case they try to rob you for your money or something. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but it's just like, sometimes I look at stuff and then a good friend might look at something completely different. It's like, Oh, have, have you seen that scratch over there? Or I don't know. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah, you're right. So bring a friend. <laughs> Just to be safe. And if you don't have friends, bring your dad. <laughs> or your mom, or your sister, or your brother. Or bring your cat. Your cat has good eyes. Yeah. Not for bikes, though. Forget about that idea. Oh, my cat's on my lap right now. <laughs> it's like, Hello. do you need a new frame, bro? <laughs> Let me help you. It's like the cat from um, Skyrim. What's his name? Kajit. Is that from Skyrim? I don't uh, know. The, I was like, the, there's like a cat with like, Cat that is like, I have some wares. Do you have coin? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so definitely something to, to watch out for all of these things when buying a frame, for example. So where do you find these things? Yeah, where do you find them? You ask your friend. No, just kidding. <laughs> well, that's kind of how how it worked for me when I was looking for a candle track. I asked you. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> <laughs> Please, people yeah, don't so, come into my DM saying like, oh, I'm really looking for a candle track. I don't know, okay? I don't know. <laughs> out of the game. I'm not, I'm I'm not out of the game, but I'm already searching enough for myself. So if you're looking for a frame or a rare iron ring or Chris King or whatever, 
chances are your country, whether it's the US, Germany, or Spain, wherever, has its own type of like Craigslist, for example, or eBay. So in, in the Netherlands, it's called Marktplatz. In Germany, it's called eBay Kleinanzeigen, which is like also eBay, but for smaller things. And there's, there's different marketplaces around the world. And normally these have a lot of, yeah, listings for everything. And chances are you can find something there, I think. We have Le Bon Coin. Oh, yeah. The, the absolute bon elite of French <laughs> nation is on that website. What's the other one? There's another French one. Uh, is there? Remember, there was a second one, just for bikes, I think, as well. Oh, uh, uh, truck velo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so sounds so fancy. If you just go, I know, go somewhere right? and just say, start saying those words, they will think you're like, oh, gentleman, Frenchman is here. Talk to me in French, Le Bon Coin. <laughs> <laughs> it's. All French listeners will not get this joke. <laughs> no, sorry guys. So what else is there? yeah, I mean, there's like Carousel for Singapore. There is yeah. uh, there's one for Japan. I mean, there's ton of there's basically your local website. Okay, and yeah, then, who auctions Japan, right? Yeah, and then there is eBay. I mean, everybody knows eBay. Um, there is also Facebook groups. Uh, and local swap meets, local bike shops, because they usually have some used stuff over there too. And then cycling specific websites or forums like Pillow Room, if it was still there. <laughs> and LFGSS and other stuff like that. But yeah. Also, uh, Instagram has some things every once in a while. I mean, people post their listings there. Like yeah. Amy Danger and others, they... Whenever they sell something, they, they first put a post there before other places, I think. Okay, I was going to give a quick shout out, but I don't remember the name. But I know there is a new Instagram account and then it is in the Bay Area. It's for a lot of you stuff. Pedal Room Marketplace? It, no, no, it's like, it's on Instagram and it's an account and the, like, you know, people... There's Pedal Room Marketplace on Instagram. Yeah, there's that, but there's another one. That is oh, quite wow. new. Oh, Track Lab. So Track dot Lab. Oh, and it's like all the US and apparently maybe it's worldwide. I don't know. It's completely new, and they have some pretty good stuff for sale. You know, it's just like people uh, sending a DM to that account with what they have for sale, and that account is public, so everyone can see. Yeah. Pretty good concept, and yeah, if if you have the opportunity, maybe you you want to look there too. But yeah, there's like a ton of little things, little websites or little forums or little accounts like that that you want to check out because that's usually where you're going to find the the small stuff, I guess. Yes. The places you least expect them. Yes. How did you find, if you want to share, how did you find the Antonov? Uh, Ellen. I asked for it. So... I was on the hunt for one because I don't know. I just thought that was a cool. It was a cool frame, and I wanted to ride one. I've never seen one in person, and I asked a few people, and I asked people I know from Eastern Europe. Oh, does any of your friends have some of those for sale? Because I know 
pretty much all of them are located in Eastern Europe. And the guy was like, oh, let me see. Uh, I'll see what I can do. A few days later, someone I didn't know comes back to me. And it's actually a, a seller from Eastern Europe. And you always have stuff for sale. And he was like, oh, yeah, like one of the guy at my local velodrome has one for sale. And it's in really, really good condition. And he sent me pictures and it was actually new. I was like, oh, yeah, I'd like to buy that. And of course, I don't know if you bought some stuff already from Eastern Europe, but most of the countries there don't have PayPal. So it's either going to be bank transfer or uh, Western, what's what's it called? Western Union. Western Union, right. Uh, I don't trust that. So the best option was a direct bank transfer. I mean, if you're really, really, really sure of what you're doing, then you do a bank transfer. And then if something goes wrong, can always call your bank and ask what you guys can do. But the guy... I talked to, uh, sounded pretty nice. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll transfer you the money. And then it arrived a few weeks later and it's a beautiful frame and I love it. I haven't ride it enough, but yeah, I basically asked for it. I was like, Hey, is there anyone, you know, that owns this? And then from here to here, uh, people actually found me. So uh, to add to the list of where to find things, eBay and such, it's just, if you have enough contacts, you can find a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, I am usually against that kind of stuff when you DM people and you're like, can I buy your bike? You know, because that's, you know, I mean, there's a lot of chances that you find that bike cool and you want to buy it because the person that actually owns it likes it you know so why would they sell it to you <laughs> but re- remember when amy danger was on the show she said this one guy was messaging yeah. me every few months about the bianchi pista concept <laughs> like yeah I don't, I don't i'm also against i mean i'm not against them you know no one ever does it to me <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, yeah i can imagine it's kind of yeah annoying if you keep bugging bugging one person about a bike that's not for sale or something like that you know if you get a message once every six months, then no problem, right? You just happily sell sell it to them or decline. But if it's twice a week, then nah, you know? So that's why I avoid doing that. And in that case, you know, I, I asked the guy, like, I know you don't own one, but I know you are in the part of the world where there's the most chances that of getting one, right? So maybe you can give me a contact or point me to the right direction. Yeah, it's really useful then. But yeah, you can always ask people. And Fizio is a great community. People are helping each other. If if you ask me like, oh, uh, could you find me a super nice French track bike? I would say, well, if you don't give me an exact model, then no, because I'm not going to yes. send you a message every few hours like, oh, I found that. What do you think about this? No, I need like something precise. And yes. then if there is or if there's not one available, then I'll contact you. So like you have to be sincere, like nice, but also 
like do some work for yourself first. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, another personal experience, uh, for example, I wanted to buy a GT when they were still pretty cheap. I was in Japan. I was really, really looking for a black one. I found one in Korea. So I was looking at the GT hashtag and I found a picture of a guy having like all his parts laid out around his frame. And he was like, the caption was like ready to build. And the caption was like two years ago. I mean, the picture was two oh. years ago. And I look at his profile and I see no picture of a GT whatsoever. So I politely sent him a message. I was like, uh, I apologize uh, if I'm bothering or, or anything, but I saw that you had a bike ready two years ago. I looked at your profile. I didn't see it complete anywhere. Uh, did you sell it or is it just a project that you never completed? If so, I would happily buy it from you. Uh, what do you think? And the guy was like, oh yeah, sure. Well, actually, yeah, it is a project I could never complete. And if you want to sell it, if you want to buy it, I'll sell it to you. That's lucky. Yeah, that's super lucky. But what I am saying is if you ask people you saw a bike on their profile and you, you want to buy it from them, just make sure that you are being polite and you're not an ass saying like, oh, your bike is cool, so sell it to me, you know? <laughs> yeah, number one rule. Number nice. one rule, be nice. I am talking a lot. What about you talk now? Yeah, so like you said, just be nice and then... I mean, many things in life. Be nice when you have to be nice. Be, don't be nice when you don't have to. When, fuck, how do I say? This? <laughs> Let me put down a shirt. Be nice <laughs> when you have to be nice. Don't be nice when shit. What what was I saying again? <laughs> don't don't don't. I was gonna say like be nice when, yeah, be nice most of the time, and then like when the situation calls for it, and to be a dick and be a dick. But just don't be a dick all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Life lessons from Fab. <laughs> uh, so next part of secondhand market, big players in the market. So I think if you spend enough time on Instagram, Pedal Room, eBay, you'll see the same names over and over again. They're selling candle tracks. They're selling, they're selling vintage looks, everything. It's always the same, let's say, five to ten people. And after a while, you'll get to know them the way they post the, the prices they set and etc etc and yeah so that that kind of shows that some people really just use the market for money making they just use it to make money they don't even ride the bikes maybe they're not even into cycling that much but they just buy low sell higher and you could i mean i guess you could argue that they do the the hard work of finding these special frames that they're selling so they deserve to make some extra profit right but i think yeah it's not nice to see some some person with 150 frames selling each of them for crazy prices yeah just because they know that someone's likely to, to buy them but that's just the way it is i guess yeah now usually when you're gonna sell to those person you're gonna sell to a pretty low price if you are in a hurry then i mean why not but you might as well wait a little bit and make a higher money somewhere else yeah this being said some of those sellers are really nice people and are yeah. passionate about what we do but some of them are also a little bit more shady yeah like for sure there are a few that you 
that are just known for overpricing everything and just not being uh, a nice nice person to deal with when yeah. trying to buy something from them. But I think I think we all know at least a few people like that. But yeah, at least with with these big names, for example, like the people that are like known in the community, there is a much smaller chance that you'll be scammed because they don't want to like tarnish their reputation. Let's say over hundred to two hundred euros, it's not yeah. worth it to them. So chances are you'll get what you pay for. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next up. What do you think of people that collect bikes? So, for example, they have, like, they they have the power to buy many many bikes, and they just collect a lot, and it's either in the garage or in their showroom, even or in the apartments. Some collectors ride their bikes a lot, and some don't. So, I guess, uh, even in the collectors thing, there's like different types. Yeah, like to me, it doesn't make much of a difference whether they ride them or just collect them, as long as they, like, have one of each bike only. So, well, I, like, it's it's a, it's not like I don't have like a strict criteria or anything. But if a person wants to just have a laser, a Candle Track, a GT, or whatever else on on their wall at home because they appreciate the work that went into it, history and such, then yeah, cool for them. But if they just want to have as many candlelight tracks, as many lasers, as many GTs, as many whatever as possible because they know that they're rare and highly sought after. Just just for those reasons, I think that's I'm not I'm I don't really support that. Yeah. So like I think like like real uh, air quotes, real collectors, I don't think they would collect two of the same bike if they're exactly the same year and everything. Just because, like those those type of people, they just want to collect a piece of the hobby, a piece of history, a piece of a story, whatever, and they would only have one of each bike. And then, I guess you know, whatever. If if you want to hang it on the wall instead of ride it, it's also cool. Yeah, and I totally understand that when you quotes fall in love with a bike and the craftsmanship that went around it or a brand then it's really easy to like you want everything that is related to this and i mean at some point i had four gts i just figured out wait um i'm not gonna i don't need that many black gts so i'm just gonna sell a bunch of them I can definitely understand the feeling that you want a fleet of your favorite thing. You just don't want you you don't want one. You want a fleet of them. But on the other side of thing, maybe think about people that also want one of them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know if they're gonna ride them or put them into same their living room, but they're gonna have some kind of a use for it, you know? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, collectors, tricky subjects. Yeah. And I think like, I think I mentioned this in the Amy Danger episode as well, but I have like a book about Japanese steel bikes and it's, it's, it's like a pretty big book. And I, I would say I'm estimating like 70% of the bikes or 60% of the bikes are from the same collector. And I couldn't find anything about them online. Nothing. It said in their full name and everything, but I had, couldn't see anything about that person so i'm sure there's a bunch of collect bike collectors out there who are not on instagram or anything and they just do their own thing yeah 
All right. Last thing that is on our show notes is personal experiences. So either I or Fabian already bought something used and we had experiences buying stuff and maybe having surprises, good or bad ones. Do you want to do you want to share one? I think I've only bought used stuff like four or five times. <laughs> Uh, so my first bike, Dolan Precursor, that was used. Good experience. Came with really short bars. That was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised. It was also surprised that it was fixed gear. I didn't know at the time. So <laughs> that was. I mean, I guess it's like a how, how does Bob Ross say it? A happy accident, yeah. happy mistake. <laughs> uh, what else did I buy used? Candle Track, I bought used. Mm-hmm. That was good as well. I think. And then the yeah I mentioned it before, but the H plus Sunwheel said I wanted to buy used. That was a pain in the ass. That was the worst experience I've had. Which 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 is which is pretty good by my yeah. standards because yeah that's pretty good it. for worst experience. Yeah, exactly. I I never I I was never scammed. I've never like been tricked or anything. That was just like the person was too slow to send the thing. Yeah, dude. The, when when I got my candle track. It was stuck in custom for an entire month. I was on the edge of my seat. (laughs) I was like, holy shit, where is it? Please give it to me. (laughs) It's like after three weeks, you just go there in person to see what's going on. You can see them taking taking turns riding the bike. (laughs) I mean, most of the bad experiences I had uh, was not with the seller, but rather was the postal service. Hmm. I remember, I will always remember this. I bought a pair of wheels and they were just outside of Paris. And the guy was like, oh no, I'm not moving to Paris. You know, it was just outside to the point that it is too far for me to go if you don't have a car. Um, and the guy was just, oh no, I'm not, I'm not coming to Paris uh, and I'm not sending either. So I can't, I can't sell it to you. I'm like, okay, we're going to do that. I'm going to send you a box with, was it already having a a return coupon on it or ticket, whatever. And you can can just return it to me. And I was like, okay, no problem. So I send the box. He received it the next day. Okay, so one day. And then he sent it back to me. And a few days later, I see something in my um, mailbox. And it was just the mailman saying, oh, yeah, uh, I went through here. You were not there. Uh, please call me at this number. Try to call. No answer. Okay. Try to call the next day. Still no answer. No mailman. Okay. Try to call again. Still no answer. Okay. Go to the post office. Talk to them about I have the tracking number and everything, and they're like, "Oh, okay. Then we're gonna we're gonna go we're gonna call them and ask them, and they're gonna come the next day." I'm like, "Okay." Next day, nothing. And at that point, it was already two weeks. You know, holy shit. So I go back, and it was like that for an entire month. Entire months when every day. You go at your door and you're like, where is my fucking stuff? You know? And the guy, the seller was like, uh, did you receive everything? I'm like, no, 
Like, I don't oh, know. It's, no. I know it's not your fault, but I haven't received shit. And one day I just had enough. It was a month after. And I remember I go to the post office and I'm like half crying. And I'm like, the wills that are into that box are the prototypes will of my company. My athlete was supposed to ride them today for a demonstration and he can't. And I'm going to lose my company. What do I do? And I see people <laughs> around the post office starting to freak out, like, "Oh my god, that that poor kid is gonna is gonna lose what what he worked for." And I am not kidding you, shit. She made a phone call. The next day was here. <laughs> god, it was always that easy from the start. Just yeah. Like a lot of times with like companies with bad customer service or whatever, you just have to like not threaten them, but just like have a strong word, you know? Yeah. If they, if they think they can push you around, then they will. I already try to like be a little upset and like, where's my stuff, please? I'm really looking for my stuff now. Nothing was happening. So I just took this sad approach, like, where's my stuff, you know? And they're like, oh, poor kid, where's his stuff? Oh, it's actually 10 kilometers from here. Nightmare. Fucking hell. <laughs> Apart from that and a few other stuff I had with Postal Office, everything went pretty smoothly. One thing that surprised me and that was a friend's experience is he bought a set of Spinergies. And we're like, oh, those are pretty cheap. Let's buy them. And he showed me, he showed me the uh, the listing before, and I was like, oh yeah, sure, they look good. He received them, and one was have seven hundred C, and the other one was six fifty. But the way the pictures have been taken was they look the same size because the guy went a little bit, I don't know, like forward or backward to take the second yeah. picture, so they look <laughs> the same size. So he sent a message to the seller. He was like. Uh, they're different size. And the guy was like, yeah, of course they're different size. Yeah, but you never said that. And on your listing, they look exactly the same. The listing was still online. Hopefully it was a really nice guy. He's like, I am so sorry. Uh, you can just send it back to me and uh, I will refund you the money right now. So good dude, you know. Lucky. Yeah, lucky. So that's like what we talked about. Better ask an extra question. Yeah, exactly. Sure. I mean, like, of course, if they look the same, you, you really cannot tell, but better safe than sorry. Yeah. I know I know something that happened to you. What? You sent the freaking wrong pair of wheels. Oh my god, yeah. Okay, that <laughs> that was that's a mis that's like a horror story for the person I sold it to then. <laughs> no, so actually yeah, I was selling a pair of zip four fours. But at the time, on my bike, I had the 404 in the back and a, I think 303 or 202 on, 202 on the front. And I wasn't, I didn't double check. I don't know, I didn't really like double check. So I, I put the 202 and the 404 in the box thinking that they're both 404s. The person receives them and says, oh, actually, I don't really like the 404s. I didn't know there was like the scratch here. I didn't know either. Uh, but I like the 202. Are you selling the, the, the pair? I said, nah. So in the end, I had to pay for return shipping and yeah, <laughs> pain in the ass. <laughs> you send the wrong yeah. freaking wheels. 
I sent the more expensive wheel. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, now I'm finally rid of those four fours, luckily. Yeah. That's great. I didn't bought them. If anyone is wondering, I have enough. I have enough zip <laughs> They're shit. ugly anyway. I mean they're not the prettiest, but <laughs> no. Yeah, and they're restricted, so Yeah, and also repaired ones. Yeah, I remember those. Oh man, but yeah, good that the guy was willing to return them. I, I was really I like the front wheel bag I accidentally included <laughs> wait do I still have it yeah I do still have it the front wheel <laughs> the guy is okay. just at the point where he doesn't know if he has the zips or not he's just no, oh like, do, do I have this oh yeah I casually have this <laughs> like both of the zips and the, um, the candle track are under, under the bed so if they ever disappear I will never know so I never check God. <laughs> so this is your address <laughs> Yes, come take take it take all my valuables. No. Okay, guys, this is pretty much all we can tell about buying stuff used. We, someone asked for that episode, and I think that was a really really good idea. And yeah. yeah, if I mean if you're used to the well the used market, then the secondhand market, you probably already know a lot about everything we just said but sometimes it's a it's a healthy reminder to yeah just either if you're a buyer or seller be nice out there and you see that everything goes smoothly and if you're if you're a thief don't do it don't fucking do it <laughs> if you're a thief just stop listening <laughs> all right well, yeah uh, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes or on the blogs lesbiansidey.com uh, you can also find the suggestion box where you can tell us what we should talk about in the podcast. That podcast was from the suggestion box. So you guys have your chances. You can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes on with our Instagram account at Slowspin Society. We just went over 500 followers. Amazing. Really? Yeah. Damn. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not considering putting value back in, either by supporting us on Apple Podcasts with the subscription program, or by visiting patreon.com slash Podcast to join the community. We're pledging at any level we grant you access to the pre and after show, which are around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at 26 Patreons, and as always, thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Amaria, and the illustration, as always, is by at JuliaJo on Instagram. Well, boys, what do we say about the used market? One, maybe one last sentence. It is a minefield. <laughs> <laughs> See you next Monday. Bye-bye. Bye.